It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everyone, it's Friday, and you know what time it is. It's time for the Locked On Minnesota Sports Podcast Network to have a roundtable. It's going to be myself, Ron Johnson, from the Ron Johnson Show with my co-host, Sam Ekstrom. We're also going to have Reggie Wilson and Luke Inman from Superior Sports Talk. Today's show is going to be fun. We're going to be fast-paced. We're going to talk Bears-Vikings. We're going to talk Kirk Cousins smoking weed and wearing chains. No, maybe not. Maybe. <laughs> tune in for that. Locked On Sports Minnesota Podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. And it starts now. Well, fellas, we're here. It's another Friday. It's a brisk 44 degrees outside Minnesota. I don't know what the weather was for you guys. Uh, I'm looking forward to this weekend. It's supposed to warm up a little bit. But as we jump into what's going to be hot this weekend, we have to talk about the Vikings and the Bears. The Bears, no identity right now. Nobody knows what they are. It's like they're tanking for the number one draft pick in basketball. I mean, I don't know who's out there in football that would be worth tanking right now. But clearly, they want to put a basketball player on their team, I guess, to help the Bulls. I have no idea what the Bears are doing. But we don't want to overlook them because if we do, the Gophers found out what happens when you do that with Purdue. And so the first topic, what could hold the Vikings back from a win against the Bears that are one of the worst in the NFL right now in a lot of statistical categories? Let's start with you, Sam. What could hold the Vikings back from a win? Yeah, if the Bears do anything well, and it's not much, they like to run the ball. They, Khalil Herbert has been good this year. David Montgomery's been okay this year. It's a little bit of a one-two punch. So if the Vikings refuse to stop the run, they give Justin Fields advantageous uh, field position down in distance, I could see that being a problem. Uh, I, I do have flashbacks to 2018 Bills, 2020 Falcons, where bad teams have come into this building and given the Vikings a game. And there's, and there's a few instances as well, like where winless Lions teams have come in and given the Vikings a game, even if the Vikings win at the very end. There just aren't gimme games in the NFL. Not when you're the Vikings. Now, if you are uh, the 20, 2008 Patriots, you know, like if you are a historically good team, you can probably just roll over these teams. But I don't think the Vikings are good enough to just overlook an opponent. And the Bears have actually won two football games this year, whether they deserve to or not. They have stumbled upon two wins thanks to a defense that is all right. And Kirk Cousins at times has had his worst games in these so-called gimmies where uh, he makes mistakes with the football. So if the Vikings end up being minus two in the take give, I would be highly concerned. So I think there is a path for the Bears here, uh, but the Vikings are gonna, would have to play some pretty bad football to allow them a chance. Yeah, I think one of the worst things you can do against any young, struggling quarterback let him get him to a rhythm early and gain some confidence. And that means no more of that soft shell coverage on the easy underneath completions. Don't do it, Ed. No more. Because we haven't seen what Fields looks like when he gets into a rhythm yet. And, and I don't want to find out what it looks like on Sunday. So making sure he's got to go earn every pass. No gimmies. The Bears don't really have a deep threat that scares you enough to even think about playing a soft shell coverage anyway. So there's no reason you shouldn't be confident in this matchup uh, with these guys until they prove you otherwise and maybe complete some deep shots downfield, some chunk plays. So don't let Fields get into a rhythm. And then Sam's right. Second thing you know, the Bears are going to want to run the ball. They run the ball in the red zone over 75% of the time, easily number one in the NFL. Vikes defense, on the other hand, they've given up already six rushing touchdowns in the red zone. That's near dead last. So that's a matchup they're going to want to exploit. Selling out against the run down in the red zone, fitting those run gaps. Uh, that shouldn't really be a secret. Finally, offensively, is this not a big game for Dalvin Cook here? I mean, the most explosive play of the season for him, just 16 yards. Where's the big gash plays, the big chunk plays? 47 yards receiving. That's only about 10 yards per game. It's just not the Dalvin we're used to. And this week, huge opportunity, kind of a get-right game. So get that swag back. Bears rush defense dead last in the league. There's just no reason Dalvin shouldn't bust out of his shell this game and just kind of remind everyone how explosive he is. This is the best matchup he'll maybe have all year. Yeah, Luke, I think they need some offensive diversity. I think several times that they've tried to run the ball, 
I predicted it. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's about to be a run right here. And then he gives it to him, and it's like a two-yard loss. And it's just like, all right, let's uh, let's maybe mix it up, get some little uh, creativity going here. And I know a lot of people were upset with the Mike Zimmer-era Vikings with how predictable they were with running the football. And, and you know, on first down, they're going to run. Uh, second and long, they're going to run. And it's like, if I know, if we know, I'm sure the defense knows and they stop it. And I think that's kind of been an issue with this Vikings team so far and a reason why maybe Dalvin Cook is not cooking the way that we are accustomed to him doing that. And so to answer the question, though, I think the the Vikings can win if they don't play down to the competition. We saw a lot of that in the Mike Zimmer era Vikings, like, these teams that they should just steamroll because they do have more more collective talent than the other team. All of a sudden, they, you know, let them hang around, and then all of a sudden, you know, you get burned. And last year, that happened a lot. And look, they made some improvements to the team, switched a few players around and all that, but this team is not that different from last year's team. And so you don't want to get into any old habits against the Bears. And I think the – the tough part is, is the Bears traditionally have a good defense. They brought in a defensive-minded head coach, and their defense has been solid. They have won two games. As, as Sam said, you can't really, like, underestimate them because, as we saw with the the treacherous game that, that happened last night, like, there are bad football teams that just happen to have two wins, a la the Broncos. And so I think <laughs> – you have to respect every opponent in this league. And I think if they don't mess around, they should be okay. But like Luke said, like, let's see some, let's see some offensive diversity, but then also where are the sacks? Justin Fields has a mm-hmm. porous offensive line. Get after him. Get like, we haven't really heard Daniel Hunter's name. We haven't really heard Zadarius Smith's name. Like, Let's go. I predicted that these two guys would have double-digit sack seasons before the season started, and they are proving me wrong so far. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'll say. The Vikings will lose this game if they let the Bears end up in third and short more than five mm-hmm. or six times, and this is why. They've only mm-hmm. completed 17 passes to, complete, to convert a first down. That is the worst in the NFL by 10. The worst. The Giants are better than them. The Panthers are better than them. Uh, The Texans are better than them. When you think about that, like the Texans have 38 passing first downs. And then when you think about the rushing side of it, when you go to their rush first downs, they're at 34. And so they're a little bit better in the run than they are in the past. When you think about rushing, they I don't know if it's because they don't trust Justin Fields to really get it done, but they are fifth or tied for fifth and rushing first downs. And so that's their thing. They're like, look, if we can end up in third and short, we can let, or second and short, Justin Fields can help get us his first down. We know they like to do the RPO. They know they want to use his legs when they can. Uh, I think Matt Eberflus doesn't realize that Justin Fields is not a true running quarterback. He can run, but you have to come up with ways to help him in the passing game. Uh, I don't know if it's a coaching issue where Sean McVay could get more out of Justin Fields than the Bears are doing, but it's been two coaching regimes. Uh, even though the offensive coordinator had a quote uh, yesterday that said Justin Fields has gotten so much tremendously better. The word was tremendous. If that's tremendously oh, okay. better, I'm scared to see where he was before this because this is abysmal. Um, and so if the Vikings allow the Bears to run the ball because they are the third top rushing team in the NFL right now with 709 yards, uh, and that's coming off of Broncos and a coach game that are in the books. The Bears are still third. So some of these numbers are skewed because the Broncos and the coach stats have hit the books already for the NFL. But the Bears are third, 709 rushing yards, five runs of 20 plus, two runs of 40 plus. So they have seven explosive plays. That's tied for second in the NFL where the Vikings have zero. Dalvin Cook, Alexander Madison, Kirk Cousins even, Justin Jefferson – nobody's rushed for 20 plus yards yet. That is weird when you think about what this team used to be when it came to the run game. So if there was ever a game to get it figured out, this is the game. The bears are giving up about 180 yards on the ground. This is the game to figure it out. So if they cannot get the run game going and they let the bears get in third and short, this is going to be a tough win for the Vikings and another, I mean, they'll probably win it, but it'll come down to the wire and you don't want to do that with the bears. This should not come down. The bears without the rain, 
The Bears would have lost to the 49ers, and we all know that. That monsoon saved them because they can run the ball, and so they did it well in the rain, and the 49ers, vice versa, relied on the pass and all their gimmicks, and you can't throw the ball to Debo Samuels and George Kittle in that monsoon. So without the rain, you remove that, you go indoors, or you take it to the Bay Area, they lose that game. So they're 2-2 two and two only because of the rain. Like Missy Elliott say, <laughs> said, the 49ers the entire game kept singing, I can't stand the rain. It's my window. I can't stand the rain. I mean, that's, that's, that's where the 49ers were that game. Devontae Smith was too. He hated the rain the other night. But <laughs> Hey, Ron, that's a really good point, though, about the third and short stuff. Because remember, against the Lions, that's what really gave the Vikings defense fits. It was Swift yeah. and Jamal Williams getting four or five, six yards a clip on first and second down. And then when they got in those third and shorts, especially if you're going against an offense that's willing to go for it on fourth and short, that gives you two chances, and it opens up the whole playbook. How many times did the Lions on fourth down get a big chunk play for 15, 20 yards? And Justin Fields, maybe not you know the same ability and the same offensive firepower, but he can run the ball. So RPOs, read options, it's a whole new element that the Vikings defense hasn't faced. So that's a, good, that's a really good point. I'm glad you brought that up. Winning on first and second down, really important for this defense. Yeah, and, and also, we'll uh, also not really checking out too well for these Packers disciples in their new spots, huh? Got Getzy mm. in Chicago. That offense looks atrocious. Nathaniel Hackett, he seemed like a slam dunk for the Broncos, and all of a sudden, he just seems like he doesn't know what he is doing. Like, he is way in over his head with this job, and that offense has looked putrid as well. You might be able to blame Russell Wilson for a lot of it, but at the end of the day, it's on coaching. And Luke, we got into it yesterday about the Justin Fields thing, so I won't even go there again. But find ways to simplify things for him. I don't know what mm -hmm. they're doing there, but they're not playing to his strengths. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, talking about strength, we're talking about strength of schedule. Bill Barnwell from ESPN had an article that talks about the hardest schedules in the NFL. He said the Vikings had the fifth hardest schedule so far but they're going to have the third easiest schedule the rest of the season. What do you see uh, being the most pivotal games for the Vikings looking ahead? We'll start with you, Reggie. So I kind of don't understand that. I do understand the Eagles. Yeah, that was a tough game. But I wouldn't say that their schedule was the toughest. I thought that these, this was kind of like the easier part of the schedule. When you look at the schedule coming up, you got teams like the Cardinals, the Cowboys, the Bills, the Commanders. But, you know, <laughs> you got to play the Packers again. And so I thought that the schedule was like kind of strengthening up a little bit more. And so I thought that these games that they are getting a chance to win were the games that they needed to because things are about to get tougher for them. So I, I don't know. It's weird. I, I don't really, like, understand Bill Barnwell. And much respect to Bill Barnwell. If SVP trusts him, I trust him as well. And he's usually spot on with a lot of things. But I feel like the, the Vikings are doing what they are supposed to do in this first part of the schedule because then it's about to get tough. Like, when they go to Buffalo in November – God bless, man, because that's gonna be mm -hmm. that's gonna be a tough game for them, and they need to kind of figure out some of these cobwebs that they've had and shake them off on offense. And you know, they say they like to play the bend but don't break defense. Luke, what did I say? They've been mighty bendy. They've been <laughs> mighty bendy up until Gumby. this point with all that. Yeah, with all that soft coverage you know, playing pitch and catch against that defense. Like, I think they need to shore up some things and really kind of play to the identity of who they say they want to be before they get into these these uh, next stretch of games. Yes. Yeah, I mean, let me, let, Gumby, but, uh, Gumby in the words defense. of Vince Vaughn, hold up, Luke, in the words of Vince Vaughn, erroneous, erroneous <laughs> on all counts, Reggie. That is erroneous. <laughs> this is why. This is why quick, and I'll let Luke go. But when you look at this schedule, the second half, it is easy. You got the Bears. You got the Giants. You got the Jets. You got the Lions. You got the Colts. You got the Commanders. You got the Patriots. 
at seven. That's seven teams. And now you have the two-a-list Dolphins. That's eight teams. Eight teams Man, that are considered. And the Bears. You got nine games. The Bears are in this. And you have to play the Bears twice. That's nine games. That's nine. I can't believe you lumped nine the Nine games against those there. teams? The Patriots are not good. The Patriots Dude. are not good. The Mac Jones led when, Patriots. When's the last time we beat the Patriots? Trying to figure it out. Man, the, this year they were the Patriots. They're still <laughs> it, the Patriots. It was like raining. It was a monsoon there last time the Vikings had to go. I think. I'm pretty sure. It, in it, the yeah, words of Vince mess. Vaughn, wait a minute. In the words of Vince Vaughn, Ron, why are you yelling? Why are you yelling at us, Ron? What's going on? Hey, hot Buffalo route. Week Ten. Hot route. Hot route. I, I don't know what that means. Uh, and that was week Owen 10. Wilson. Yeah, nope. Owen Wilson oh, said, okay. why are you yelling yeah. at me? I thought. That's my role. That's my role right there. Um, oh, wait, no. Uh, Reggie's right. Vaughn... Yeah, Vince Vaughn was the yeller. Owen Wilson was wondering. Because Owen Ma, Wilson got... Wait, Meatloaf. No. Meatloaf. Who what got hit? doing back there? I, I never yeah, know. This thing is off the I never know what she's doing. <laughs> Owen Wilson right, was the wonder get... why you're yelling uh, at me. I, yeah, I think I can keep going wedding crashers all day. You want me to get back into the schedule? You ready? So you're mad some hot old lady. <laughs> Suck it Kitty up. Kitty cat. Kitty cat. Suck it up. All right, Luke, what you got? What you got, Luke? Easiest, hardest schedule now. Oh, Easiest man. schedule going down the road. What's a pivotal I, well, game well, for them? The one I circled right away, I think the Bills uh, were the Super Bowl favorites heading into the year. No better litmus test to see where this team's at playing a really good team. And let's, let's be honest. I mean, kind of playing with house money going into that game. There'll be at least seven-point dogs, mm -hmm. if not more. All mm -hmm. the pressure's on Buffalo to win. I don't think anybody realistically expects the Vikes to go in there and win. You want to see them compete, but fun game, though, on paper, right? Diggs versus J.J., Josh Allen torched you in 2018. A lot of bad memories, chance to maybe exercise some demons, if you will. That's the cream of the crop for me. I think that's the most entertaining game on paper. Then in a tier below... At Miami, week six, Teddy revenge game. Dallas, week 11, after what happened last year versus Cooper Rush. That gives some fans some PTSD. Patriots here on Thursday Night Football on Thanksgiving. I'm not writing that one off because playing Bill Belichick on a short week, that scares the heck out of me. I don't know about Ron. Apparently not. Thank but, you. And then you end the season at Lambeau. <laughs> I mean, maybe with division title implications on the line. I think those are the juiciest, juiciest games left on the schedule as we sit here. Just from what we've seen these teams do through these first four weeks. Giselle Bunchin yeah, is so mad at the Patriots, she's going to give their playbook away to the Vikings. Ooh. Cool. cool. Can't underestimate that. Can't underestimate that. Um, I agree with Reggie that when you think about it, it's hard to say that the schedule is easy or hard at this point when basically every team is one and three, two and two, or three and one. And mm -hmm. you've got some bad teams at three and one. You've got some good teams at one and three. It's hard to like actually put like a, a ranking to it. But I look ahead and I see some games against NFC foes at home that you absolutely have to win because when you get to the end of the year, you're going to be in tiebreaker scenarios. The way that the NFC looks, it's going to be tightly packed together. It's not going to be an accordion where you got six games difference between the top seed and bottom seed. Everyone might be separated by three games and everyone's vying for the number one seed and everyone's vying for division titles. You've got to beat Arizona at home. You've got to beat Dallas at home. You've got to beat the New York Giants at home. Yes, the Giants, because they're 3-1 and one right now. So at this point, I'm taking them seriously. You need to win conference games at home in your building. The Vikings are perfect at home so far. I think they stay that way this weekend. If they can reinstate that home field advantage, where this is a building the people come in, and just lose their will to play like they used to, uh, this could be a dangerous team. you got to win the home games against teams within your conference. And I think those are the games. They're not the sexiest matchups, but when it comes down to the end of the season, you need those wins in your back pocket to separate yourself within the NFC. Sam and Luke, Sexy thank you. matchups. Thank you. Because clearly you guys are all to be on the crazy. same side with this. These te those nine teams to me are trash right now. Before we jump into this next topic, we're going to have a word from our sponsors. Yes, we do. It's BetOnline, BetOnline.net. It's your number one source for football betting info this season. No Gophers lines this weekend. They're off, but we've been watching the Vikings all week long. The Vikings have been touchdown favorites against the Bears. Got an over-under of that game of 44. So, And actually, it's moved up to 7.5 which is actually a big move. So keep an eye on that. 
Not sure if you want to lay seven and a half on the Vikings uh, when you get over a touchdown there. But you can check out MLB lines, MMA, boxing, golf, up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. BetOnline.net. Use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Well, as we jump into the next topic, uh, I feel like we should all wear black suits today because it's the funeral <laughs> of the twins. And I started to see people tweet, like, pictures, like, oh, I can't believe the season over. What? Like, it was 162 games. Like, <laughs> it, it, it should have been. It's like that 140-year-old person that finally dies. Like, you're not going to sit there and be like, oh, I can't believe grandpa's dead. Like, dude was 140. Like, bro should have died twice at this point. Like, he's tired. Let him go. I just can't believe like, he's gone so He soon. wants to be with I Jesus. Like, when somebody's 140 so and they die, like, they want you to celebrate because they like, man, I don't know if you understand how tired I am. Like, I'm tired. Like, it's 140 years and the Vikings still haven't won a Super Bowl. Like, I'm ready to go. Like, I'm done with this. So... When you, when you think about the Twins, and I saw people tweeting that, like, ah, I can't believe it's over. This is the last game. This was such a fun season. Like, what? 162? Nah, man. No. It should have been that over. Was not it should have been over like two, two or three weeks ago. It was so, not a fun season. <laughs> exactly. But the tweets were the, like the, the the tweets of the people who like support and, and follow, and I think the media people really who like support the team. Uh, you know, they were tweeting those out like, oh, I can't believe this is the last game. What? Yeah, yeah, it's 32 degrees next week. Yeah, it's definitely the last yeah. game. Last game should have been a while ago. But let's jump into this first. Luke, what will you remember about this season? Well, we'll always be able to look back and remember Luis Arise winning the batting title. That's special. Yeah, that doesn't yeah. happen often. Joe Maurer, the last twin to do it since 2009. So if you're looking for a positive, I guess that's it. There it is. But I think not taking advantage of the soft division. I mean, Cleveland got hot at the end, yeah, but all in all, this was one of the weakest divisions in baseball. Can't ask more than that. I think the fact they gave away so many games, legitimate wins that just turned into losses because of late game play and decisions was a killer. And then the injuries, too. I mean, that gets overlooked, but good gravy. So many injuries they dealt with all season, top to bottom. It was like they could never just get everyone healthy all at once and find any type of rhythm. So it's part of the game. They still got to go out and produce. I know that, but they tried to make a push at the deadline too. So I give them credit for that and get all those guys. They get all those guys back for at least one more year too. So that's good. But yeah, when it comes to 2022, I think just shooting themselves in the foot with missed opportunities, there's no reason they ever should have lost a handful or two of those games when you go back and look at it. So tough to watch and think near the end. I think a lot of fans were just ready for it to be over. Yeah, like it's the boys so of men's song, Reggie knows it. Exactly. Yeah. We had the same thing in our head. It wasn't hard, though. Like, that's, that song should not play during the twin season because it is not hard to say goodbye. Like, it is not hard yeah. to say goodbye to them. So I'll go with yeah. you next, Reggie. What, what, was you, what will you remember about this season? I think I will just remember how terrible of a disappointment it was. There were times that during this season that you were like, wow, this is special. Remember all those walk-off home runs that Byron Buxton hit? You know, Jose Miranda finally getting hot. It's just like, wow, this team is cooking with gas. Throw a little extra gravy on there. Like, they they, they, they got something cooking right now. But it just kind of crashed and burned down the stretch. And it seemed like most of this season, the fans were crying that the the team wasn't listening to them. Like, hey – the bullpen has blown like 70,000 games this year. Like, get some help. And they finally do get some help, and it really just didn't even matter. Tyler Malley, they bring him up. He was kind of like a plus to the thing because they were kind of making do with their starting pitching. And then they brought Malley over, and it was just like, oh, okay, they even got another arm for the, the starting rotation. Like, okay, they're going for it. And nothing. He got hurt. Ended up missing the rest of the season. It crashed and burned. Byron Buxton, he goes on the 10-day IL, never comes back. It's just like, well, all right. I guess that'll do it. That'll do it. And I think what's tough about it, too, is they brought Carlos Correa here with these championship expectations. He was supposed to be the guy to be like the catalyst for them in this championship-type push that they were going to have this season. And he really just didn't do what maybe the fans were expecting him to do. Like the average was fine. He hit, you know, a good number of home runs. The RBIs were low. 
Like, he didn't bring a lot of runs across the plate, and that was pretty disappointing. So I think it's very disappointing, too, when he's like, look, hey, if you want me, come and get me. You know, it's just like, well, you didn't really do a whole lot to, to make the team <laughs> really want you. <laughs> he's, you know, he's talking this big cash at the end, uh, at the end of the season, like, hey, if y'all, if, if, look, I'm a, I'm a Camaro, I'm a Porsche, Panamera, you know, whatever. If you want me, you got to pay for top value. And it's just like, but did you give top value this season, though? Yeah, it's weird how fans beg the Twins to spend. And the mm -hmm. last two blue chippers they've gone to get, Josh Donaldson and Carlos mm -hmm. Correa, by the end of it, we got so disenchanted with the whole thing. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Just as the way that we got disenchanted with Joe Maurer. Joe Maurer we got disenchanted with. Like, fans here have a weird... Have a that weird thing rude. about when the team spends money, they they expect a lot out of these players, and rightfully so. But um, this is the year that all of the goodwill that this regime built up from Bomba Squad in 2019, division title in the the shortened pandemic year, all of it's gone. All the goodwill is gone. Um, this team is soulless. This team operates through computers that run the calculations day of game. They spit out the equation to Rocco Baldelli. He's got the answers to the test, and then he executes the plan. Uh, there's not a lot of emotion in this team. There's not, like, the starting pitchers don't seem to be enjoying themselves pulled after five innings, especially when they know they're giving it to a bullpen that's going to lose the lead inevitably, and most of the time they did. This is a, a managerial staff that routinely holds guys out for precautionary reasons, all the time and you'd think that with that kind of methodology that they would you know have a healthy team they don't this has been a problem for four years now is that the end of the year comes around and the roster is unrecognizable from the first game of the season because so many guys have been hurt uh that's problematic and people need to audit the training staff they need to audit the way that they're evaluating the health of these players um, whether they're, you know, what they're doing in spring training, what they're, well, what they're prescribing for guys in the offseason to do, something's wrong. Um, and these fans are apathetic now. There was a huge attendance drop this year, and they're not going to come back unless something changes next year. There needs to be a change in the wins. There needs to be a change in the strategy, in the free agency approach. Uh, they, they were a fun team three years ago, and now they're not, and they need to get back to that, and that means something needs to change. That was yeah, uh, that was similar yeah, to the the Brian Murphy. Uh, did you read that article, Sam? Yesterday that he wrote, he dropped some hot fire. I did. Yesterday. I did. I I love Murphy. Love Murphy. Yeah, he he pretty much echoed your sentiments that they need pretty much like an exorcism. Yeah, well, for me, I would agree. My memory is gonna be the pitcher on a no hitter being taken out the game. And the season is pretty much well, over because they're trying to, what, save them for next season? I don't know why. Like, that's I got a memory. question. To, to, to Ron's point, I got a question. How come How come Rocco hasn't taken a little bit more heat? I'm, I'm just honestly just surprised that that, has, that hot though. seat hasn't warmed up a little bit more because some it of the, uh, you know, is it? I think people it are bored. Bored. I don't know, people are I don't know if it is. Like, no. It doesn't well, seem like it's such a quick season. Football such a quick season that mm -hmm. football coaches can easily get talked about. It's a quick, close mm -hmm. season. So it's easy yeah. to, to, to hit on it. Every basketball is such a so high-profile yeah. sport. Basketball is such a high-profile sport. It's easy to say hockey is so loved. People want to go after these managers that aren't doing a good job. Baseball is boring. Like, it's 162 games, so people really don't know because, like, 80 and 80, you're in the playoff race. So people really never know when to like hate you. They're like, well, you could still maybe make it. He's lost 80 games, but there's a chance. <laughs> like, you know, like Angels in the outfield. Like that, that's that's where I go. Like it's just, it's so weird. You just don't know when. I, I think when you start to win like 40 plus games, only like 40 to 50 games or 40 to 60 games, then it's gonna get hot. But when you keep like when you keep the fans interested up until the last like 10 games, I think it's tough. It's tough to really like do it and it's boring it's like well, what? I'm, not, I'm not going to the games every day like the people that no, do you're that, right how yeah you're you right know, they were just, competitive 
they, they were in it for sure, but it was the decisions. It was the coaching uh, decisions. Yeah. Like what you said, pulling a guy, uh, and, and this is a small, small example, but pulling a guy when he's on a no-no. But a lot of those late-game decisions that, again, they were up late in games so many times in the middle of the summer that turned into losses, a lot of that could be pointed on, obviously, Rocco, your manager, and your decisions, uh, especially with the pitching staff. So I'm just surprised for me, and maybe I'm wrong, it just doesn't seem like uh, his seat was very hot. I thought he should take more criticism if nothing else I'm not saying he should be fired but at least take some more criticism and and own some of those blown leads but I haven't heard much discussion for that it sounds like they're committed well, to him he, for the future I think he owns like I think he owns only so much ownership because of the way they've structured this front mm -hmm. office where Levine mm -hmm. and Falvey give the orders down and Rocco mm -hmm. executes them and I think Rocco okay. also gets absolved a bit by the injuries Right, like I think that's that true. He can't really any losses pitching coach. That. Yeah, any loss that pitching, pitching coach. coach. I don't know how much that so has I to think, do with things, but doesn't doesn't help. But I think he's insulated. I think he's insulated by this front office that knows that they're the ones making the decisions. So Rocco doesn't take a lot of that heat. He just has to like manage the morale day to day, mm -hmm. and then the the other guys are kind of protected in this cocoon mm -hmm. where they don't have to answer for it necessarily mm -hmm. but they're the ones making these high level decisions which is frustrating that's why the fans get frustrated because they can't actually hear from the guys that have these mandates about mm -hmm. rest and pitch count and bullpen usage so well, so when you the say the, they're making the though. decisions are you talking about the in game decisions the actual in game decisions I, yeah, I'm saying that at a high level, I'm sure Rocco has a little bit of autonomy, like pitch to pitch and, mm -hmm. and out to out, but high level, Rocco's been told, we don't want our pitchers going third time through the order. Got because it. then, because the, the numbers would indicate that the opponent average is going to be 300 or better. Uh, we're mm -hmm. going to go to our bullpen and roll the dice with bad bullpen arms, and you can't, we don't want you varying from that approach. That, that is, that is what I believe to be true. Got Which it. is why, you know, he really can't answer for a lot of that after games. Mm -hmm. It just kind of sucks, too, that they mm -hmm. put him in that situation where, you know, he makes those decisions because he's being told that that's how they run a baseball team. And then he's the guy that has to answer for those decisions game after game after game. And it's like, man, I kind of feel for him in that regard. You can tell that Rocco right. is a good guy. You can tell that he's a very knowledgeable guy and he, like, knows what he's doing. But I think it's like organizational malpractice that they are so behind the numbers and the, the computers and the analytics and all that stuff. I sound like I'm like 60,000 years old, but it's, it's kind of crazy that they are behind those things and not just kind of taking a look and, and, you know, look, say what you want about Tony La Russa. He flamed out in Chicago. It is what it is. But those Cardinals teams that won the World Series you know, the last couple of decades, like he was coaching and managing off of his gut. He was doing things that felt right. He was pulling the strings and it was working for him. Didn't work in those, you know, series, those World Series uh, against the Red Sox. I still hate that. But those things were working for him. And it's just like, maybe you don't need to rely on, you know, like use the data to help, but also just watch the game. You're sitting there in the dugout anyway. You're sitting up there in the press box or wherever you're, you're sitting anyway. Like, just watch the games and see what's happening. Like, I thought it was crazy this year that they just continued to do the same thing, same thing, mm -hmm. same thing. Exactly. Like, the the, the exactly. many times that they rolled out, you know, Griffin Jackson, you know, some of these bullpen arms Pagan. that just like, oh, my God, you put Emilio Pagan out there again after what just this happened yesterday. Why. And he does the yeah. same thing. I think there's just, you know, the people that I follow on Twitter, they're upset with guys like Falvey and Rocco, but, like, they get the vote of confidence from, you know, ownership or whoever. They're like, oh, no, no, like, we're going in the right direction. Like, you know, we'll keep those guys in place. We believe in their plan. It's just like, do you? Can you believe in that plan? Because it continues to get the same results. It's like the definition of insanity. Nothing is more, like, inflammatory, I believe, than – Labor Day weekend being right there at the first place mark and then finishing the yeah. season 14 games back. 
Mm-hmm. How does that even happen? Like heads are supposed to roll there. I'm never for anybody like mm-hmm. losing their jobs coming from a guy who got laid off from a job before. It's gut wrenching. It's heartless. I know they get paid much more than I did in my little Dayton, Ohio job, but like something needs to happen. They need to change some things around because somebody needs to answer for that tremendous drop. What like that was only what like a month and some change that that was Labor Day weekend yeah. and you finished the season as terrible as it did, like under 500. What happened there? Somebody needs to answer for that. No, you're right, Reg. Like somebody needs to be accountable for that. But again, apparently that's not Rocco because he's just kind of this glorified yes man. And again, I root for Rocco. I like it. But Reggie's right. Like that was so bad, so quick, so fast at the end. Somebody's got to be held accountable. You can't just say, well, Byron Buxton was out for the last five, six weeks. Well, I mean, yeah, that sucks, but that's just part of the game. You should be more competitive than that, especially near the end. After you kind of not sold the farm, but I mean, you really went all out to go get three arms there right at the end that really didn't mm-hmm. turn out to have much of an impact. Obviously, again, more injuries with Tyler Malley and things like that. Well, the season's over for the Twins. They suck. They ended it badly. They were 12 games out. Uh, the Gophers are on a bye week, which they need the rest. Mo Ibram needs to rest that ankle. So what will you guys be watching this weekend on Saturday? We know Sunday's the Vikings, but Saturday, no Gophers, no Twins. What will you guys be watching? Start with you, Sam. It's college hockey season, right? So I got uh, my Gophers taking on Mankato on Friday and Saturday. So I'll probably uh, have an eye on that game. That's a top five matchup. Gophers number two, Minnesota State number five. Gophers have... The number three pick in the NHL draft, Logan Cooley, had two goals in his debut series along with two assists. Um, college hockey time. Got to dive in. Luke. Yeah, TCU, Kansas. That's a big one. College game day will be in town. Paul Rudd, by the way, the odds on favorite to be the celebrity guest picker. That's always cool. 17th versus 19th uh, ranked teams in the country. So I think that'll be a good one. UCLA versus Utah, two top 20 teams. But honestly, for the most part, I feel like this is the last good Saturday for me to go get some house chores done, get the leaves raked up, clean the garage out so we can get two vehicles in there before the snow hits, man. Got to take advantage of these kind of weekend days when you can get them. Bikes by week in two more weeks. Might be too cold by then. Yeah, that's Ready. true. Uh, I, I think, yeah, I'm watching a little bit of maybe some, some HGTV or something. You know, you're catching up on, on some of the shows that you missed during the week, you know, that you – had recorded on the DVR and all that stuff. I think you're keeping an eye on the Big Ten. Yeah, a little house hunters, you know. Um, I think you're keeping an eye on the Big Ten, Ohio State, Michigan State. That might end up being a slaughter. Not really sure what happened to Michigan State this year. Was last year a fluke? I hope not, you know, because I like Mel Tucker. But that might get real ugly uh, come Saturday at 3 o'clock against Ohio State. That's going to be – that's going to be interesting. But also, look, hoops are back, baby. Like, I, I, you know, I'm a big NBA guy. I'm I'm excited to, you know, watch even some of these preseason games. Things have been fun. Victor, let me make sure I got it right. Victor Wimbanyama. Who is, is this a, guy? A LeBron called him an Bless alien. You. The, thank you. LeBron <laughs> called him an alien. I am excited about what he's doing. He scored 36 points yesterday, 11 boards. The dude came down court took three steps from half court and he had the ball in his hand in the corner on a fadeaway three point shot, nothing but net. This dude is beyond the unicorn. Like LeBron said, he's an alien playing G league. Like maybe the bears, you, you talked about it, Ryan, the bears are, are maybe tanking for the top, you know, basketball pick. Maybe they're tanking for Victor, you know, cause he looked just that good. Maybe they can throw him out there and, and he could slam dunk. Put him up there to block field like goals. That. Yeah, I mean, but if a receiver, him, I don't do think it. anybody could stop him catching a fade route. Like, <laughs> right corner the end zone. Right. Who's gonna stop that? Seven three, yeah. eight foot wingspan. Like, just throw it up. Who? Nobody in college up. or high school or the NFL can out jump this kid for the no. ball. I don't care if it's Tony Gonzalez. It could be Odell Beckham. Uh, there's no DB for sure gonna up out jump this kid for a jump ball. So hey, the Bears might be on to something. Just don't don't put them in the regular. Just get us to the red zone, Justin Fields, and then yeah. we are gonna throw the fade. We're telling you it's coming. <laughs> you can try to jam them if you want, but hey, we're throwing it up. Just get it get it to the end zone. Hail yeah, Mary's. I've heard be the Hail Mary King. 
They could just I've get heard to the blend of, of Rudy Gobert and Kevin Durant put together. So but yes, you see a unicorn. How, absolutely. How little he made Rudy look in that picture yesterday. Like yeah. that was insane. Yeah. Rudy is seven foot one. He's all of seven foot one. <laughs> and he was just That's like three times defensive player of the year. Where he was the yeah. unicorn. Yeah. Well, here, here, uh, here's mine. Here. I'm. I can't believe none of you guys said this. All year, they've been arguing. They've been fighting. Jimbo Fisher versus Nick Saban. Like, mm -hmm. that is going to be electric. Like, I cannot wait because, one, if Saban has a chance, he is going to absolutely destroy Texas A&M from a recruiting standpoint to prove, hey, I should have the number one recruiting class. Two, if Jimbo Fisher has a chance to stick it to Saban, he is going to do it. They are the, the handshake of Jerry Kill and PJ Fleck is very, very low on the totem pole compared to the handshake between Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban. I don't think, like, this is the difference. When people really want to fight, they don't talk about it. Like Jerry Kill talking about he might not shake PJ. That's like, that's like the knock, knock it off my shoulder, knock it off his shoulder, knock the stick off his shoulder if you want to fight him. Like, that's what that is. That's, you don't really want to fight. You do, Jimbo Fisher has not made a comment about shaking Nick Saban's hand. Why? Because he truly believes, depending on how I feel, screw you. Like, you could apologize to me. You could do whatever. You literally try to throw me under the bus with my NILs while you're over there doing the same thing, if not worse. And I beat you at your own game, and you're pissed. So I'm excited about that one. And then, of course, my daughters both are playing volleyball Saturday. So we are kind of on double duty. Uh, the seven-year-old has a game at 9 a.m. and then the 11 year old has a game at 9 a.m. but then the 11 year old has a second game. So I'm gonna try to catch a little bit of the uh, the Littles game and then jump over to, to my older daughter's game. The good thing is one is Eden Prairie, one's Chan Hassan, so they're not far apart uh, where I can get to both within like five, 10 minutes. So that's what I'm gonna be doing Saturday. I also like what you said, Sam, or uh, sorry, Luke, I'm with you on the yard work because my other neighbors all have trees and they don't ever try to help me and it's their leaves. Like I know the color of my tree and my <sighs> leaves. And mine that. still haven't fallen I off. I hate that. So those are your leaves, and you have the nerve to not want to clean those up. I want to blow them in their yard. But that's a different mm -hmm. story. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, I'm with you on the leaves and the getting the garage cleaned up because our garage right now is softball-driven. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on getting some of this softball stuff moved over to the other side because it's about to be snowy. And, yep. uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's time to – like, my daughter does dome ball, but – Hey, they, they, they have a facility and a dome for her to get to. So she doesn't need to be in the backyard anymore once it gets cold. Uh, but that's what I'm going to be doing as well Saturday. Uh, and then getting ready for the Vikings game, of course. I'm going to be watching a little bit of Vikings film, a little Bears film, just so I have some stuff to talk about on the Vikings pregame show. Um, but that's my Saturday. But you know what, fellas? Now, time for the surprise. This is something that you guys, we've not done. You guys have not been used to this. Before we jump into the uh, letting people know about the app and Amazon Fire and Roku, we're going to play a little quick game. We're going to make it short this week just because it's impromptu. I'm going to give you guys a, a taste of it, give the fans a taste of it so they know what to look forward to going forward on the roundtables. But it's going to be three quick questions. That way there's no tie. Could be a tie because I'm get, each of you get a point if you get it. Uh, there's no buzzer to this. You just get to pick. I'm going to throw out some questions. These are all Vikings, NFC North questions. And you guys have to give me the answer to the question. It could be true, false, or it could be you have to pick the team. All right? Here we go. Mm -hmm. Question number one. On third down and seven plus on offense. So I did seven to 99 yards, just to be sure, because there's some terrible teams out there. Seven to 99 yards on third down to go. The Vikings have 32 plays at that. The Green Bay Packers have 24 plays. Do the Bears and the Lions have more or less than the Vikings? The Bears so, have less. The Lions have more because they're one of the top passing offenses in the league. No, wait. Are, are you no, saying have they how, faced third down and seven yeah, plus? Third and seven or longer. How many right. times have, have they, they faced, faced it? Who's faced it more? Oh, have they faced it? Wow. Yep. The Vikings offense has been on the field 32 times in third and seven plus. The Packers have been on the field 24 times. The Bears and the Lions, who are they Are they above? So they have they seen it 33, 34 times, or have they seen it less? 22, 21. Oh, the mm -hmm. Bears definitely more because that offense is terrible. 
<laughs> Luke? Yeah, I'll say more for the Bears. Are we supposed to answer individually both the Bears and the Lions? Yep. Individually. Yeah, yep. I, I, Sam, will say, I will say I will say more for yep. both, actually. I'll say okay. I'll say more for both. Bears and Lions. Uh, Reggie? Yeah, the more more for uh, that's tough. Yeah, because both because uh, both have pretty good run games. All right, I'll just go more. This is a game. More for Sam. Both. I'll be contrarian. I'll say less for both. Ah, give it to us, Ron. And the two points go to Sam. The wow. Bears have only faced yeah. third and seven plus twenty-seven <laughs> times, and the yeah, Lions have only out. faced. Yep, have only faced third and seven plus 26 times. So they are both close to the Packers. The Vikings have been third and seven plus on offense the most. But from a conversion standpoint, for the bonus, for our bonus, right? The Bears, even though they faced it less, they've only converted 18.5% of their third downs. The Vikings have converted 25%. The Packers, 33%. The Lions, are they better? or worse than the Vikings at converting on third and seven plus? I'll say worse. I say better. They're putting up a lot of points better. And the points go to Reggie and Sam again for that one. The Lions have converted 26.9 of their third and sevens plus. All right, we're going to move on to question number two. That was a two-parter for one. Question number two. Yeah. On you third suck, and seven plus, now we're going to the defense. <laughs> I suck. Defense. The Chicago Bears have allowed a 42.9 conversion rate on third down and seven plus, and the Green Bay Packers have allowed a 4.0 conversion. Between the Minnesota Vikings and the Detroit Lions, who's better on third down of stopping the conversions? Vikings. Vikings. Reggie says Vikings, Sam uh, says, or uh, Luke says Vikings, Sam? Yeah, Vikings. All right, everybody gets a point there. Boom. Nice. Current point system, Reggie has two, Luke has one, Sam has four. The Vikings are 11.1% allowing third and seven plus conversions. The Lions are 20. The Packers are 4%. That is crazy. 4% crazy. conversions. And the Bears almost 50% of the time if you're in third and seven. So honestly, you know what? I said the Vikings don't want to end up in third and seven. This might be the week to do it third and Maybe seven. They do. That defense on third and seven yeah. has not figured it out. I mean, they they don't have the pass rush. Khalil Mack gone. They don't have it anymore. Um, last one, third and seven plus. This is a quarterback question now. Third and seven plus. Question number three. On third and seven plus, from a completion standpoint, completion percentage, Standpoint, completion percentage. Aaron Rodgers is at 64.7%. Guy's pretty good. Jared Goff is at 60%. Justin Fields and Kirk Cousins, are they better, worse, or in between those guys? Again, answering individually, right? Individually. Fields and Okay, I'm going to say Cousins is better, and I'm going to say Fields is worse. Okay. Yeah, I'm. Vikings have been terrible on third down. Uh, I'm going to say both are worse. Okay. I'll say Cousins is in between, and the Bears are worse. Okay. The point goes to Sam for one point. He got the Cousins is worse right. Five points to Sam. So Sam wins the game for the day. Five points for Sam. One point for Luke. Two points for Reggie. Justin Fields. Now, this is a weird one. Justin Fields is the best NFC North quarterback on third and seven plus. He's completed 75% of his (laughs) passes. Now, granted, three out of four. How many attempts? Three attempts. 12. He's nine for 12. So he's only converted. He's only only thrown it 12 times. But that's why this is a game of numbers because it doesn't matter how many times he's thrown it. That's why I did percentage and not overall numbers. But 75% completion for Justin Fields on third down and seven plus. He's nine for 12. It doesn't say how many yards he threw for either because he hasn't converted them, but he's completed them. He's dumped them off. But uh, Cousins, unfortunately, right now is 54.5%. He is the worst. Jared Goff at 60, Aaron Rodgers at 64.7, Kirk Cousins at 54.5. I wouldn't have guessed it either. So I'm with you guys. Like Sam is just, Sam's good at being negative for Kirk Cousins, so they helped him out. 
I should have found better. Yeah, that's my yeah. Key questions. Ron, that, that's whatever. good stuff, though. That's good stuff. Ron, <laughs> I'm going to be tuning into the pregame Vikings pregame show. I want you to bust that out because that's some good stats oh, yeah. right there. I like that. That's, so that's where the game came from. When I do my stats on, like, Thursday night, because I usually try oh, to do it, it oh. before the Thursday night game so the numbers mm-hmm. aren't skewed. But I, yeah. I had a big week. My in-laws are in town because my kids are having grandparents' day today. So I had two, mm-hmm. two – uh, me and my mother-in-law stayed up, and we had a couple drinks last night. So – my, my stat mm-hmm. taken went away really fast. I woke up, computer was on the ground. Like, I didn't get any stats done last night. So when I started doing them this morning, when I got up to get the kids off to school, I was like, ah, oh, crap. Like, it's got the, the uh, Broncos and Colts in here. But I'm like, whatever. Like, they suck, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> they didn't hurt the stats anyway. But, yeah, like, looking at the NFC North, and that's what I'm going to stick to this weekend probably, Justin Fields is not bad. He just he just is not getting in good situations. So, no, I'm having some good stats for this weekend. But I want to thank everybody who's continued to be with us on this journey on Locked On Sports Minnesota. I want to thank Sam. I want to thank Luke. I want to thank Reggie. That is our new game now for the roundtable. So look forward to my three questions because I love the number three. So we're going to have three questions. We might have to get like a little tally system up there during the game for Matt to give the guys points so we know who has the points. And then maybe I'll give the winner a chance to have like a winning speech. I don't know if you've seen that somewhere before, but I came up with it first. The winner gets to have a speech at the end. So, Sam, it's your podium. You got 30 seconds. What's your speech of the day? I'll, I just love nothing more than impromptu public speaking. This is great. This is uh, – <laughs> <laughs> let let me tell you about uh, an issue very near and dear to my heart. No, I honestly don't know what I'm going to talk about. The uh, the Russell Wilson stuff is ten seconds crazy. <laughs> Kirk Cousins is better than Russell Wilson right now, guys. I mean, Russell Wilson oh, is generating field goal drives at best. He looks confused in the pocket, getting no help from his head coach, um, and. He's just his personality continues to rub you the wrong way. I don't know if I'm a big fan of Russell Wilson anymore at this point. I would be petrified if I were the Broncos, having just invested in him. And uh, I would rather take Kirk Cousins at this very moment than Russell Wilson. Mm, there you go, Sam's speech of the day. Next time we're gonna have to like fireworks and streamers coming down, yeah. and Sam gets to put a crown <laughs> on. Uh, <laughs> but that'll do it for the Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast roundtable. When you subscribe to Locked On Sports Minnesota, you're getting endless Vikings talk with local experts. Subscribe to the free Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast feed wherever you find your podcast, and find our videos on the Locked On Sports Minnesota YouTube channel. And make sure you remember: go on your TV, go on your iPad, go on your phone, the Amazon Fire and the Roku app. You can download it and get all of our shows from whatever segments, whatever interviews you want. Like, comment, and share. Let us know what you think. Did you know that Justin Fields is the best quarterback in the NFC North on third and seven plus? That's the only way he's doing it. But again, I want to thank you guys and have a great day. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.